0: Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends, feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's show, Vice President Pence is in Ottawa trying to push the free trade deal through, while the U.S. President Donald Trump adds more tariffs, this time to Mexico. It's like watching a dog chase its tail. China once again threatening Canada if We help the United States and don't accept the Huawei deal. Do they not realize this is how we don't do business? And the Raptors are Canada's team. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. This to me, you know, uh, further proof to me, uh, a, a Donald Trump is, is is his own worst enemy. And you know, over and above politics, it's it's just the personality that's. Um, it's like a bag full of kittens, isn't it? And uh, so he he started his campaign off uh, when he ran for president. Uh, talking about NAFTA and how it was such a crappy deal and how it was uh, so important to get it all uh, thrown out and start over and, and hammer out a new deal and blah, 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 blah. And we all know and, and the agony that everybody went through through trying to hammer this out. And then just before it was uh, signed, uh, he went through tariffs on aluminum and steel, which the whole idea behind, uh, you know, a trade deal is there aren't no tariffs. So and and then brags about how he loves them and all this sort of crap. So uh, then, of course, he realizes that uh, his new DAFTA deal is going absolutely nowhere with tariffs. So uh, he eventually drops the tariffs. Uh, They send Vice President Mike Pence up to Ottawa yesterday. To burn some jet fuel and uh, and and just show to everybody we're moving forward. Here we go. We're dotting the we're, we're dotting the I's. We're crossing the T's here. And while, while Mike Pence is burning up the jet fuel, trying to seal the deal in, in, in Canada, Donald Trump's doing everything he can to kill it in Mexico. <laughs> and and out of nowhere, he pulls a, uh, a tariff out of his rear end and, and said, there you go, Mexico, I'm going to slap that on you uh, until you get that crap cleared up at the border. So... Uh, Fix the stuff, stop the people from coming over, or a 5% tax, and then it's going to increase incrementally if uh, if we don't get a handle on this. So why bother sending Vice President Pence to Ottawa to put a bow on the deal if you're at the other end unwrapping everything? It just seems bizarre. And I know that's Trump. We all know that. Why, why even get upset about it? Well, you know, for you and I, I probably don't. But if you're someone trying to do business or trade, I think you're probably pulling your hair out. You probably don't know which way's up. Uh, Let's bring in Patrick LeBlanc, Associate Professor, Graduate School of Public and International Affairs, University of Ottawa. And he is with us now. Patrick, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, no
1: problem. My pleasure.
0: So how do you, and again, I know this is Donald Trump. We've had these discussions many <laughs> times, uh, but it seemed odd, as I said in my preamble, you know, the the NAFTA deal, you know, it sucks. We got to get a new one. So they work diligently and, and hammer one out. Uh, and then he slaps tariffs on. We finally get that cleared away. It looks like things are moving forward. And then he slaps this on on Mexico. H- how do you decode this?
1: <laughs> I don't. Um it's I think everyone was caught by surprise it makes no sense uh especially given that, as you said that he you know he's been trumping or trumpeting uh this new deal as um, you know his deal the best deal ever uh to get rid of the worst deal ever which is NAFTA uh and yeah we you know Mike Pence was here yesterday uh to in a way to get support rally support in canada and and in a way bring home the good news that you know the 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 administration was working working hard and pushing congress to ratify uh the, the 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 new agreement uh there was even a congressional um visit a delegation visiting in mexico to see uh... the changes that the mexicans have done to their labor legislation uh, which was is is one of the concerns that uh, the democrats in the house have uh... so it looked like things were kind of moving forward and all of a sudden this bomb just drops uh, and, and, and making it basically impossible for Mexico, uh, and, and the new me- Mexican president to, um, go forward with the ratification of, 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 of NASA 2.0, of, of the, the Canadian U.S., uh, Mexico agreement. And, and everyone's like, why? Why is that? Where did that come from? Um, <clears throat> and, uh, is it really, is that what's going to make the difference in terms of, Mexico, which is you know, they've already co- they're already cooperating, as far as we know, with the Americans uh, in terms of illegal migration, uh, and and but at the same time, they're they're you know, they can't put everyone in prison in a way like the Americans yeah. are doing. Uh, so it's it, and and using tariffs to to, to put pressure uh on the mexicans uh who are most likely going to retaliate and that's going to hurt in a way the whole uh north american economy because on the one hand obviously it hurts all the global supp- the, the the supply chains at the north american level uh it hurts agriculture in in the us and it now brings back the whole uncertainty around uh nafta 2.0 uh so it's it's the most puzzling thing and it's not even clear what trump is you know if we're trying if we see this as some kind of negotiation tactics which we've seen in the past right he he does these things it's like these threats yeah. or he, yeah. he ramps up uh it's the art of the
2: deal patrick
1: and then he tries to get something out of it but in this case it's not clear what he's trying to get out uh on that
0: point patrick um uh once this deal is signed, he has no more leverage. He has no more power. He goes in, he grabs something, and he goes, okay, I want this changed or I don't give it back. Well, uh, same thing with NAFTA. True, it, it, fe- it feels like he's this is a, a deal that's done. Everyone's agreed. They're almost ready to sign it. It's like, no, no, not yet. I'm going to use it to lever- leverage something more.
1: But leverage what exactly? That's the issue because... If he wants well,
0: society, I guess in this, ca- in this case, he's leveraging, he's trying to cross his trade deal with his immigration policy.
1: Well, fair enough. But then that, that means, is he's, 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 he's this part of a negotiation with Congress, where yeah. he's trying to get his wealth uh, financed by, by Congress? Is right. that what the issue is? And that's not clear. Because if, if he wants the Mexicans to ratify his, his trade deal, uh, that's certainly not the way to go uh at the same time he doesn't lose leverage vis-a-vis the Mexicans by do you know because in a way the, the the Mexicans are at this point are happy to sign on the new deal but if not they're happy to keep nafta yeah. and 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 imposing tariffs the way he's threatening to do it well it doesn't matter whether there it's nafta 1.0 or nafta 2.0 uh, it's still, in a way, it's it's using a, a sort of national emergency, national security clause, which is this exception clause that all trade agreements have, to reimpose tariffs which should not be imposed anyways, right? If if mm-hmm. if, if if companies. Uh, satisfy the so called rule of origins. Technically, they're not paying the tariffs, but in this case, it would not matter. So it doesn't, in this case, he, he can, even if, he, if the U.S. were to ratify, uh, the NAFTA 2.0 agreement, he could still impose those kinds of tariffs. So it's not really, I, I don't, it's hard to see what the leverage is mm. here or for what, unless it's part of a negotiate where he thinks Congress now is gonna agree to something, uh, in exchange for him lifting those tariffs on, um, on Mexico, which I, I have a difficulty seeing the, the relation here, uh, like you're punishing your neighbor in order to to get something from 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 uh, your sort of opponents in Congress, it, it's 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 very hard to understand what the logic here, if there is any.
0: Once a deal, uh, let's fast forward and hopefully this all gets signed and ratified. Say it is. Can he still slap tariffs on these countries? I mean, I thought the Absolutely. whole idea—I thought the whole idea behind a trade deal is these are the rules.
1: Well, the rules are is one thing. But as we saw, I mean, the, the, the whole, the, the same thing with the, the tariffs on steel and aluminum. They went, technically, they were against.
0: Oh, because he's using the national security issue. Exactly. Right, so in this right,
1: case, it's right, national security. It's a national right, emergency, right? right, he's, right. He's, 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 he's using the National Emergency Empowering Act, whatever it's called.
0: So really, Patrick, anything that, is, that he signs isn't worth the paper it's, it's printed on.
1: Well, yes and no. Uh, I mean, that doesn't mean that he he can do whatever he wants. Don't forget that even with the steel and aluminium... Uh, Canada was was pursuing at the a World Trade Organization the the U.S. and saying you know you can't do this. This is also why we felt justified in retaliating and imposing tariffs on on the U.S. Mexico did the same thing. Um, so uh, we can always use these, these these agreements, whether it's NAFTA, whether it's the the, the WTO, to challenge right. these decisions and saying, look, you're doing this for purely protectionist reasons. This is not a national emergency issue, uh, and here are all the reasons. But so so, on the one hand you're right he, he it, whatever he signs he, he, he can then turn around and and, and change his minds and try to find other ways to 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 renag on 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 agreements and and especially um the the removal of of uncertainty which these agreements are are supposed to bring about, to bring forth but at least they provide some kind of legal mechanism to challenge what the Americans are doing. But ultimately, as is with the law, international law, you know, if a state decides that they don't really care, well, all you can do is, is, is retaliate, impose your own tariffs or block things a little bit, and, and then you enter into the trade wars, and, and the agreements are not very useful in this case. So, uh, it, it's just, in a way, it's, it's Trump. <laughs> not being trustworthy again.
0: So right? you really... He's changing you...
1: his mind and, 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 and going after his allies when apparently he has bigger fish to fry with China and others, but I, I, it's, it's, now he's decided that he's, you know... Th- this week, it's Mexico. Last week, it was... Something else, and the week before was China, and like basically mm. pick, pick your country of the, and, and and that's the country that he's decided to go after this week.
0: Do you think when Mike Pence was on the plane on the way up to visit Prime Minister Trudeau that he fi- he knew this was going on? Like, where do you think the White House is on this? And, and, and even clear. and even it's, Sarah see, and I even mean, that, and, 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 and even the press secretary was saying, "Oh no, the NAFTA deal still can go through." It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Nobody's going to sign this with any well, tariff you know, With it. With,
1: with Sarah Sanders, we know that whatever she says probably means the opposite uh I, it's not clear whether this is again a, a trump decision that he just went along with maybe with a with, with a few uh aides and and no one else knew about this uh it's it's i mean i i can only imagine mike pence being with with you know um uh, with the prime minister and this kind of uh falling through and then someone says you know kind of prime minister Trudeau said excuse me how, 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 you know, you've been here, you're telling us all these things, and now this is, please explain. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's just, I guess we've heard about the chaos in the White House. This seems to be another example of, of, you know, chaotic management where the president wants to do one thing or does one thing and, and others are of then scrambling to sort of walk it back if they can.
0: So what is the response from this? Uh, I mean, we've certainly heard uh, Sarah, uh, Sarah Sanders from the White House saying that, um, you know, no reason to stop the NAFTA deal. It doesn't affect it whatsoever. How's, what's Mexico's reaction to this? What's Canada's reaction to this? How, how are people responding to, to this new tariff?
1: Well, sorry, in, 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 in Canada, um, for Canada, for now, it doesn't mean anything. There's nothing we can do. This is not about us. Uh, I mean, it's. it's We're it's, just
0: happy the focus isn't on us right now. I guess. Well,
1: yes, but as we as as, as we know, that could change next week. It could yeah. be something else, right? Um, so uh, it might be about you know deers or Canada geese crossing the border, and, and that could be a national emergency. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but in in seriousness. The, for us right now, the unfortunately, is the uncertainty that it creates around the, 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 the KUSMA, the, the, the NAFTA 2.0, in terms of its ratification, and ultimately businesses just wanting to know what the rules of the game uh, are going to be so that they can you know, invest. Because if you're investing, billions or hundreds of millions of dollars, you want to know what the rules of the games are going to be for the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And and right now, it's kind of everyone is sort of waiting and seeing. And that's just, again, uh, another example of Trump uh, creating more uncertainty than, than less. As for the Mexicans, well, I, I would not be surprised that now they were about to present legislation for, to begin the process for ratification. That's going to be put on hold. They're likely going to retaliate with uh, tariffs on, uh, in particular, agricultural goods. They're going to try to you know, see where it hurts the most in the U.S., um, and, and, and we'll have to see w- w- what follows from that, uh, because it's not even clear what the purpose is really, you know, the end game of this is. It's not as if the Mexicans can, can, can deal with the flow of migrants. Um, you know, either they, they, they shut down their own borders. And, and stop that, people from leaving. Really a short-term solution.
0: Yeah, so, so I guess the pro- what Mexico is supposed to be doing is, is putting up a fence to stop people from leaving then.
1: Well, maybe that's what he wants, right? Is yeah. it, maybe that's the you know, he wants. Yeah. He's going back to the Mexicans will pay for the world, and, and, and not only now will they pay for it, they'll have to build it themselves.
0: So as you said, you see no real reason for this. You don't even see where the leverage is, you know, from the art of the deal point of view. Uh, so is this about NAFTA, or is this he's just ticked off about what's happening in the border and Congress, and he's just using now NAFTA to leverage his immigration policy?
1: I, I think he's, he's just using tariffs as, as that seems to be his, his tool of, of, of predilection. And, and, and now, I guess, he's just trying to send a message that, oh, well, you know, the Mexicans are not doing any, any, anything. Uh, in a way, it's their problem because that's where the migrants are coming from. Uh, so here, we're going to punish them just, just the same way that he, he's punishing everyone uh, with tariffs. Um, but is, is that really the solution to dealing with the migration issue? Uh, that that's hard to say. I mean, people want to go to the U.S. because it's a rich country and they see opportunities. Uh,
0: so th- this looks like this has become a new tool. Uh, oh well, I guess I guess it's been a tool for a while now. For Donald Trump, he just screams national security, and that gives him the ability to yeah. slap a tariff on him. It worked with steel and aluminum, so he's doing it on everything basically uh, that doesn't go his way or where he needs leverage.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's he's doing the same with the Chinese. He's he's. He's threatening the same with with, uh, tariffs on on cars for, you know, the Europeans, the Japanese, the Koreans, the Canadians, the Mexicans, Um, you know, and and, and all of this can change from one week to the other. He made this announcement tomorrow. Maybe today he'll backtrack. We've seen that before. You know, he, remember one day he said, oh, I'm pulling out of NAFTA. And then by the the end of the day, "Ah, no, I'm not pulling out of NAFTA. So. It's, but it's, it's very puzzling right now, uh, unless, until we get more information as to what, what really is driving this, or is it just, again, a, a personal view that uh, he thinks this is a big issue, he, he, he and, and that's how he's going to solve it.
0: It'll be interesting to see, Patrick, how he gets out of this, because everything has to come with a win. So he's got to be able to hold something up and go, all right, I'm going to drop it, and here's the reason why, because I got this. Yep. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what Mexico can do to appease him to, to drop the tariffs now in regard to immigration.
1: Yeah, well, Mexico is going to retaliate, and they're going to block... Uh, uh, the NAFTA 2.0. So that's yeah. going to be where they're going to try to get leverage and in, in, in the hope or in the thinking that he wants this deal ratified.
0: And always giving us more to talk about. Uh, Patrick LeBlanc has been with us, Associate Professor, Graduate School of Public and International Affairs, University of Ottawa. Fascinating stuff again, Patrick. Thanks so much for your time. Much appreciated. It was a pleasure. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right. uh, Let's bring in Elliot Tepper uh, from uh, Carleton University, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. A couple of things I want to talk to uh, Elliot about, and uh, specifically um, uh, China, uh, once again, uh, threatening Canada and saying that uh, if they continue to aid or if they aid, uh, the U.S. Uh, in what they're trying to do with uh, with Huawei and, and trade and such uh, that there will be serious consequences. Uh, this, I, 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 you know, I thought they already were aiding and there already are serious consequences because the Huawei CFO is being held up in her multimillion dollar mansion uh, waiting extradition. So I, I, I think the aiding thing is already there. Uh, But I guess this came out because Vice President uh, Mike Pence was in Ottawa yesterday to try to smooth over uh, uh, the the NAFTA 2.0 and and get that moving, and he weighed in on all of this as well. So I guess that's where it's coming from. Let's bring in Elliot Temper, emeritus professor of political science, Carleton University. He's with us now. Elliot, thanks so much for the time. As always, much appreciated. Good afternoon, Scott. So I eventually, uh, I eventually want to get uh, back to the the NAFTA thing, but we'll 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 start with the China first, since that's where we're leading into. Um, The next, uh, the new threat that has come out says that uh, uh, Canada should think twice before aiding the United States. Have we? Well, first of all, why this threat now? Is this because Pence was in Ottawa yesterday?
2: Yes. Well. it's not a new threat. Uh, They've they've already said, you are paying the consequence. They won't admit it up front. And
0: are we not already aiding in the arrest by arresting Uh, her?
2: (laughs) Yes. I think one of the most interesting things is, uh, yes, perhaps it's because the vice president of the U.S. was in in Canada and said out loud, uh, pledging, that not only does the U.S., he's vice president, stand with Canada, but that the president of the United States, Donald Trump, will be raising the issue with Xi Jinping at a meeting of the G20 coming up in Japan. So the, that perhaps raises the stake. Um, two things to me. Uh, first of all, why have we waited this long to hear that kind of support at the top hmm. from the U.S.? Because this is, after all, entirely a United States-China issue. Right. The arrest was made only because there was an extradition request uh, for this person. It's related, as we discussed in the past, to Iran's sanctions, that is U.S. policy toward Iran, and uh, we've been helpful in that sense. Uh, Canada says we didn't have a choice. There was an open extradition request, and she passed through. So that's my first comment on that. The second is this. Why won't China say exactly the same thing? And I've been listening for it. Maybe I missed it that the U.S. is going to pay a cost.
0: Yeah, this yep. is
2: a U.S. request, and yet Canada is the only, the only country targeted. Of course, we, we do have possession of Madam Meng, but uh, there's no... In our, I, I haven't heard any way that the U.S. has been targeted by China saying, you're going to have to pay a cost. No, Canada has to pay the
0: cost. And we've, we've discussed that many times, why they're picking on Canada and not America, and obvi- obviously because they can at this point, and, and we're the weaker of the two powers. And again, there are many Americans working and doing business in China. There's lots of, uh, of companies there doing business, so why aren't they plucking them off the streets? Yes,
2: and of course there's a lot of other Canadians there as well, by the thousand actually. So, uh...
0: So does this statement by Vice President Pence now, I guess on the world stage, bring these two parties together I meaning Canada and the United States to stand united is this the first we've seen of that i mean you no, know, it's not pompeo, the first time, yeah he, it's not the first time they've denounced this so why is this important
2: well it's it's because it was at the level of the secretary of state in december i believe mike pompeo said oh, we stand with canada yeah. but there's been no sign of it and uh, so this is at the level of you know a bilateral meeting between Canada and the US and it's the vice president speaking on behalf of the president, as he pointed out, uh, and that he's pledged that it'll be raised. But that kind of um, assurance from the vice president about what Donald Trump will or will not say to Xi Jinping when they meet doesn't give me a lot of assurance.
0: Yeah, that's a very valid point. And by raising this, you're talking about the detainment of the two Canadians. That's what he's going to raise. Um, does this send, is this, uh, is this scaring or concerning China that now these two seem to be shoulder to shoulder?
2: Well, uh, since the response was directly aimed only at us and not aimed at the U.S., it doesn't seem to be any real change in their position. Uh, this has been their view all along. And again, two sides to this. I don't think perhaps we realized until it uh, really blew into the open how egregious this arrest is viewed by China. Uh, this is a very significant act, and they hold Canada responsible because we did the actual arresting. And, by the way, they're not actually going to lean too hard on the U.S. over it. On the other side of that, I don't think China has realized, and, and uh, Mike Pence is, and our, our prime minister both alluded to this, how egregious the behavior of China is beginning to be viewed more widely that's
0: exactly my next point in this elliot how much credibility has china lost over this
2: i think a lot uh i've been saying for some time that although it looks as if china's got all the all the clout because of their trading relations and their rising power i think they are the big loser in all of this because yeah. until now there's been this global generally uh, benign attitude or vague and indistinct attitude but benign attitude toward china now, uh, there's a because clearer it's been, be- view, and it's not benign at all.
0: Because it's been the golden goose for so long.
2: Yes, and also they've been saying the right things. Uh, yeah. the Xi Jinping yeah. goes to, China, to Davos and says, I'll stand up for the liberal order. And uh, it's only increasingly recently that he's been saying, by the way, China has an alternative form of government other than democracy, and, and we're going to lead the world, and the world should follow that. But the Uyghurs and a lot of things that China has been doing but not been noted are now being noted.
0: Uh, a Chinese spokesperson uh, for the Foreign Ministry, we hope the Canadian side can have a clear understanding of the consequences right. of endangering itself for the gains of the United States and take immediate actions to correct its mistakes, so as to spare itself the suffering from growing damage. Very so,
2: strong statement.
0: Um, d- does, do the Chinese not realize that threats do not work in a democracy?
2: Well, they realize that we are a small power compared to them on the world stage. Yeah, but that being
0: said, on the world stage, if all of a sudden Canada was to get picked on, the rest of the world would jump up pretty quick.
2: The rest of the world will... This is a power play, and they believe they hold the cards. What I don't think they've realized is the the degree to which it is weakening their position in the world by behaving this way. Exactly. And uh, certainly they can make Canada pay, and we could talk a bit about that. It's not only now picked up our people, and they hold, they're holding them apparently in very grim conditions. Whereas Madame Meng is living in her other mansion; mm-hmm. she lived in the first mansion while she renovated the other one. So uh, <laughs> and now she's moved into it. So, uh, and she's got she's free to wander the, through Vancouver and shop all day. She just has to be home by curfew. So, in any event, the point of all this is that uh, China now uh, has opened another front by. Hurting us on trade, so they're saying. First of all, publicly, they're not linking anything to anything. These arrests were not because of that, but of course they were. They were both made December tenth. Both of the Michaels were arrested on the same day, just after the extradition. You know, after we did our arrest, and now they've opened up a second front in terms of, well, you know, all that canola we've been buying, yeah. the very best in the world, and the market likes it. There's problems with that. There's problems with pork. So they've opened up a second front on the economic side, again, without directly linking it, but when you hear what you just read, you're going to pay a, a cost. Yeah. You don't know how, and that's what they're referring to. There's lots of ways China can be squeezing Canada. But, you know, Canada very patiently has done a couple things. One, we have not yet, on our side, yielded to American pressure to ban Huawei uh, from right. the next generation of what Canada will do on 5G. And there's a lot of pressure to do so, and we've held off on that. And I think it's a bargaining chip. But also, we've held off opening up a second front. And that, as some prominent Canadians are now urging, why don't we open up separately a human rights front? Mm-hmm. Uh, they, we have the Global Magnitsky Act. Uh, there's every reason to think it might apply to Chinese actions over its Uyghur population so that. Uh, not talking about the, the bilateral issue that uh, exists, but rather separately. Yes, China has uh, has other reasons to be concerned about what Canada might do. So we have uh, we do have some levers that are uh, under our control that which we haven't yet used. But ultimately, of course, this is a a big power versus us, and it's also really a big power dispute between Canada and the U. S. over American foreign policy vis-a-vis China and vis-a-vis Iran, that we are paying the cost for, and uh, we just have to keep doing what we can.
0: As China squeezes Canada or the rest of the world or anyone that they choose for their own benefit, I guess what just amazes me, and this is obviously the two different cultures, that with a lack of trust, and and again, you know, you you hear the statements that they're saying. Uh, there's no there's no trust. There's no truth here. It's all nar- the narrative is their own. They're all lies. Um, the li- with, without a without trust, uh, there's no business.
2: Yes, China, I think, believes to the contrary. They think that it doesn't matter what they do in any field. That they're rising economic power, and they're for example. So like they're the, going
0: to take over the world anyway whether you want to jump on board or not.
2: Well, and and you're going to buy our stuff. Yeah. Uh, you are going to Huawei is is producing a really superior product at a really a cheap price compared to anybody else and ultimately that's going to determine global uh, decisions on whether to buy that product or not. Now how did that product get so cheap compared to uh, you know others? Well, they've got cheaper labor but they've also got uh, government backing for that company. And also, as others have pointed out, where did they get all that technology? <laughs> they stolen. Um, yeah, so well, Nortel, they were, it's been a suggestion. What's the story with Nortel? What is that story, Elliot? Well, it's alleged that for about 10 months or so, uh, there was Chinese penetration hacking of the Nortel network's uh, internal communications so they could just root around and get the proprietary patents, they could get the marketing plans. They had all ac- all the access they needed at that point uh, to leap from behind, to leap ahead. Now, whether that's provable in court, I don't know. And th- but th- those are serious allegations by serious people. And, it's, uh, of course, uh, the other aspect is that this is a Chinese-backed company. They've got deep pockets behind them. Hmm. They can undercut the world market. This is part of China's mercantilist approach, uh, we are going to use our state-owned companies and those nominally not state-owned to pursue our national interest globally.
0: You know, many have talked about bringing these two powers together, trade. We're, we've seen that over the last several decades. Are we moving towards a separation of that? Or are we moving away from their cheap stuff? Will this? How will this change the economy moving forward?
2: Well, <laughs> I, I would start initially with is going to damage the world economy. We've got the United States acting in ways which uh, just perpetuates uncertainty, and uncertainty and global economics don't go well together, and we're still recovering from quite successfully. Uh, and, and you know the Democrats will say because of policies they took, the global economy recovered from the national, the global recession of 2008. So uh, and it was a much more devastating, I think, than most people uh, realize. So we are moving away from that. Where are we going to go in the future? Is China going to now be told that, sure, we don't want to deal with you? And they'll say, no problem. We've got a billion-and-four population to start with. We have an internal market that is, can sustain any innovation. We've got the educational system. And by the way, we then will offer parallel products parallel institutions parallel lending we will set up a parallel universe directly uh, directly to challenge the west and of course particularly the u.s. and that means us as well this is fascinating. All right, I
0: can't let you go without asking you um, uh, changing topics here in regarding to NAFTA and the tariffs on Mexico. Uh, we saw during the campaign NAFTA is terrible. We have to get rid of it. Uh, a, a great amount of energy uh, put forth to to hammer out some sort of new deal. It finally is about to go. And, and then all of a sudden, the, the uh, president declares a national emergency, putting tariffs on steel and aluminum. They eventually get a, uh, lifted. It looks like this thing's about to finally be ratified. They fly Mike Pence up uh, yep. to Ottawa yesterday yep. to, 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 to move this thing forward. Did he have any indication when he was in Ottawa, the vice president, that by the time he got back on the plane, there'd be a tariff on Mexico for immigration purposes?
2: there's two things you can ask about that. One is the United States suddenly, the Trump administration suddenly did what Canada was doing and Mexico was doing, that is sending to their legislature the implementation aspect of NAFTA, the new NAFTA. So uh, Nancy Pelosi is saying, don't do that. We're not ready to hear it. We don't want it. And he's trying to squeeze the Democrats. Uh, and of course, they can just say no. So did Mike Pence even know that, uh, that that implementation? But did he know what you just raised as he was saying, oh, yes, now now we're as our foreign minister said, it's full speed ahead. Yeah. I'm here to support you. Uh, we're going to do it. Mexico is going to do it. Did he even know, mm-hmm. keeping in mind, he meets at least once a week officially for lunch with the president. Other times, you know, yeah. I don't know, other informal, but they have formal meetings every week and probably many, many informal and certainly on a big ticket item. So did, was he aware of this? Nobody knows. But in terms of what does this all mean, the very slim possibility that the new NAFTA would actually get through before uh, the Canadian and American electoral cycles overtook it. Mm-hmm. Has now been greatly diminished.
0: And what's the purpose? Uh, you know, I, I've talked to other experts earlier on in the show. Nobody seems to see where the leverage is here. Uh, obviously, even if he gets a deal signed, he can always just use the national emergency thing and throw a tariff on anything he wants. I guess that's what he could do here as well. Um, but but where's the leverage here? What's where's the win?
2: Well. He believes that this, this is a win in two different ways. The uh, possibility, this is all about power of 2020, in my opinion. That is, he believes that it is to his advantage to blame the Democrats for not getting NAFTA two through. That is, this is all about who's going to win the Rust Belt, who can go into the Rust Belt and say, I'm the one, our party, our policy. We are trying to save those jobs, and the other guys are trying to take your jobs away, and they're trying to sabotage you. And if you if you uh, get the new NAFTA through, well, fine. But if you don't, and it's the Democrats' fault, well, it's the Democrats' fault. And let you know, vote for us. And secondly, and that's this uh, pressure that he's putting on by putting in the implementation now. And secondly, uh, immigration is the the central issue for the uh, Trump administration. They brought him to power. And he can just turn around and say, I'm being tough on immigrants, and I'm protecting you. So I'm not only protecting American jobs with these tariffs. He's, he tried that with the steel and aluminum right. tariffs. All these jobs are come pouring back in. But he's also saying uh, to his base and to the beyond the Rust Belt, but certainly in the Rust Belt, I'm I'm going to protect your jobs, but I'm protecting the sovereignty of the country. And the Democrats are opposed to both of those things. So vote for me, 2020.
0: Man. Elliot Tepper's been with us, emeritus professor of political science, Carleton University. I'm sure it won't be the last time, chatting about everything from NAFTA to China. Elliot, thanks again for the time. Much appreciated. Fascinating stuff. Have a great weekend.
2: And Thank you, Scott, and same to you.
0: You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Lots of stuff to talk about, uh, and let's go around the horn with Alyssa Freeman here. Uh, Everything from... um, Vice President Pence coming up to Canada to sign the, uh, or not to sign, but to to push along the the free trade deal. And then, uh, of course, President Trump slapping more tariffs on. Why not? And China, once again, uh, threatening Canada. China once again threatening Canada, and I guess this is around uh, the Vice uh, Vice President Pence uh, visit and such. And, of course, we'll talk Raptors. Is she here? Uh, Alyssa Freeman is with us, principal at Alyssa PR. So uh, let's start with... Uh, I, I want to talk about China. I want to talk about the new tariff on Mexico, and then we'll finish up with the with with the Raptors. Uh, China, again, and I'm sure this is all due to uh, Vice President Mike Pence coming up to Ottawa yesterday, uh, trying to push through uh, the, the, the NAFTA 2.0, and then, of course, talked about uh, the t- detainees, Canadian detainees in China, and he weighed in on that, to which we get a... A uh, a statement back from, uh, from China, from their foreign ministry, a spokesperson says, quote, we hope that the Canadian side can have a clear understanding of the consequences of endangering itself for the gains of the U.S. and take immediate actions to correct its mistakes so as to spare itself the suffering from growing damage. How uh, has this changed since this whole thing started? How has the perception of China's changed in the West?
3: You know, I don't know if the perception has changed, but except that it's gotten worse, Scott. I think that we've all had a uh, an idea of, of what China was like, and I think that we certainly have had lots of historical references when it comes to the record on human rights. But, you know, Canada's never gotten into a... Uh, let's say, this tussle with them because of the, the Huawei executive. And it seems like when they mean business, they have a certain way of doing business, which is very contrary to how we as Canadians normally do business with our foreign partners. And this is very threatening. I mean, you know, this, this message does not mince any words. So if you think it's bad now, it can only get worse. Well, what does that mean? Worse for who? Worse for the detainees, the Canadian detainees they have? Worse for us when it comes to trade? Christian Freeland is trying to meet with her counterpart um, among, among the highest levels of the Chinese government. And, you know, she said point blank is that when you want to meet with them, they move very slowly and they don't really make it happen. Whereas perhaps in another country where we have friendlier relations, we would not be frozen out. But... It seems that uh, you know they are the dog and we're the tail being wagged here.
0: It's amazing, and we've talked about this before. Everybody has been kowtowing to China, uh, building those relationships. We all know the Chinese culture—suspicious, uh, and you have to move slowly and gain trust, as if we're as if we're trying to appease a monarchy almost. And at the end of the day, this is business-driven. Everybody wants a piece of this market, a piece of the golden goose. Now, all of a sudden, things are different. Do, do the Chinese realize that threats don't work in democracy? It amazes me to no end that they haven't figured that out.
3: When you've been doing business in one way for decades and hundreds of years, you know, it's pretty hard to change that. And but they've
0: been working so hard to try to make it look like they're not ruled by the Communist Party of China for the last several decades. Now, all of a sudden... Well, we've fallen
3: for that, yeah, haven't we? Boy, have we. So, you know, as a result of that, Scott, I mean, what? this isn't just trade here. It's because there's some human lives on the line. And yes, this is about the Huawei executive. But however, you know we have we have two Canadian detainees there that are not being treated very well. From what I understand, they're not quite in solitary confinement, but a step up, meaning that they are exposed to twenty-four hours of light. And I'm sure the conditions are yeah. deplorable. So, you know, you think, well, you think threats work on us. You know what? You have to give those threats sort of a, a bit of um, credence when you're thinking about these two guys who are sitting there, and uh, and are are enduring are great suffering. So, you and I may say, listen, we're a democracy. You can't work with us the way you always work but i think that they think yeah we can because we've got you over a barrel right now
0: and the other thing i find fascinating is obviously they've done none of this to the united states they're detaining canadians they're bullying canadians they're not bullying americans and it's as if they don't think the left hand knows what the right hand's doing here um it's as if they don't think we have allies that are watching all of this
3: but you know what? I think they're meeting out their punishment in different ways. So for us, they're dealing with us one way because they've detained two Canadians. Yeah. And just like we have detained one of their executives. So that's like an eye for an eye.
0: Tit for tat, yeah.
3: You know, exactly. So when you when you look at what they're doing with um, with the states, you know, it's all over tariffs. So, uh, you know, that's just another way of meeting out punishment.
0: So are, we, so are we to assume that the second that the Huawei CFO crosses onto American soil, then every American's vulnerable in China?
3: You know, I would say I would think that you know you know it sounds crazy, but you know if you're a Canadian or if you're an American and you decide to travel through China, I think you gotta you've got to take that seriously, you're also gonna have to give it a sober second thought, like I've talked with this with some people, and they're going, don't be ridiculous, you just can't stop traveling you know to Hong Kong, you know whatever if you yeah. you know if you want to go, I don't think you need to worry if you're there for twenty four hours but you know honestly, you know China is now establishing itself. In what they feel is their rightful place as a superpower, yeah, it's always been about the United States, and now that they have the United States barrel vis-a-vis tariffs, they are starting to show you that if they are a superpower, this is how they're going to work.
0: And you know, it's interesting. Uh, at one time, when this whole thing started, uh, well, why don't we just give her back? Let's just give her back. And I think the retaliation and the perception has changed, and and now I think Canadians are digging their heels in on this.
3: You know, I think, I have to think that Christian Freeland is doing everything that she can, and I'm sure they have people on the inside there, but by the same token, you know, there, she is being stonewalled. So, you know, you can't make a deal with anybody, somebody who's not there or willing to talk with you. And I think that we keep off, operating in good faith the way that we feel, um, Canada should be represented on, you know, the foreign, a uh, foreign platform. But we are really at their behest. We're waiting for them to answer our calls. We're waiting for them to, to meet with us. And, you know, this is their This is the the Chinese way of exerting power So if this is the way they're going to exert power We may need to change tactics And I don't know what that is
0: Yeah, who knows where this is going Uh, Are we willing to stop shopping at uh, Walmart and Costco In in order to put, you know To change the way we uh, Change the way we do things in the world All right, let's talk about uh, Donald Trump and tariffs And NAFTA Uh, Started his campaign, uh, you know uh, Pooping all over NAFTA, terrible deal, we gotta fix it And then some incredibly intense negotiations pressuring everybody to get a deal done on all sides finally it happens well just before it does he decides he's going to throw some steel tariffs and aluminum tariffs uh, and such around Um, then it comes to the point of ratification he realizes it's not going to get signed with tariffs on on uh, still in existence so he removes those from steel and aluminum sends vice president Mike Pence up to Ottawa to, to, to try to push the deal forward uh, all the t- And then by the time the plane lands in, in Washington, he's thrown another tariff on, on uh, Mexico, 5% tariff on Mexico until they can get the whole border thing under control. Uh, obviously, the man loves tariffs. He loves having leverage. But many can't find the leverage here. Many can't find the reasoning for doing this.
3: You know, I think once a day, you know, Donald Trump goes through his list of campaign promises and says, OK, where am I in all of this? And of course, the big one was the wall, so if he feels he can't get his way, he looks at what he has, and he uses that as uh, as, as leverage as, as as a withholding measure so until the problem with if you know what it's interesting if the if if the problem with the Chinese and the terrorists wasn't happening now with the u s I guarantee, I mean, yeah, with the U.S., I guarantee you that our steel tariffs would still be in place. Mm. But they needed us. They needed us on side, and they needed yeah. us to work with us. And we, you know, kudos to the, to the Canadian negotiators. We just said, okay, if you want us to do this, lift the steel tariffs right now. And, and he did. So here he is. He's seen as lifting them to get a deal done because they are in a weakened position. However, I don't think he can stand being weak. I think he's always got to be in a position of power. Yeah, because
0: once a deal is signed, there's no power
3: left. Well, you know, this is it. So once he gives away whatever, the steel of the tariffs uh, to us, he probably looks now south of the border and says, hmm, okay, well, I need a wall. And I told you guys that you were going to pay for it. So we're going to give you a 5% tariff on all your goods. And, you know, so here we go again, but at least, I mean, honestly, the the Canadian team that's, you know, responsible for this, you know, obviously under Christian Freeland, this is, you know, they must be looking and thinking, oh, gee, at least it's not us this time. Exactly.
0: At least we're not in the crosshairs.
3: You know, so uh, I think it's just a matter of saving face with him. If I'm not going to get my way one way, I'll get my way another. Uh,
0: Sarah Sanders said, uh, well, this isn't going to affect the NAFTA deal in any way, which is just uh, the biggest load of BS you've ever heard, because no one's going to sign a deal or ratify a deal with a tariff in place. We've seen that with the steel and aluminum.
3: Well, you know, you would have thought he would have changed tactics, but I think that he sees that tariffs are very top of mind. He sees that tariffs work. He sees that tariffs can, you know, put a country, uh, uh, sort of their economy, under great distress. So he he knows that he knows that it, it, it's a it's a capable leverage point. So yeah yeah that's right you know Sarah whatever Sarah Saunders says that but. And she is the mouthpiece for the president. And, you know, she doesn't make this. Well, she does make stuff up. But, you know, basically, she parrots what her government and what her president is thinking. So, you know, I don't know. Listen, Scott, you never know with President Trump. I was listening to a podcast today about vaccines. You remember when he stood up there and said, you know, a little baby was vaccinated and then he was sick? You know, and he was all worried about vaccines. And now all of a sudden he's he's turned around. One of the few things that he's turned around on says, you need to get that shot. So I don't know how many facts need to be presented in front of him in order for him to, you know, make a credible decision that sticks. But often what happens is that we get these knee jerk reactions.
0: You wonder if the you wonder if the if the rest of the White House even knew that he was going to do this.
3: I don't think that they do, and I think that a lot of the times they learn what he's thinking when they look at his Twitter feed after he's been tweeting at three (laughs) in the morning.
0: All right, let's move on to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Is this now now officially Canada's team?
3: Right now it is. You know, I think the way that Canada has embraced this team, you know, here's the thing. Basketball is a sport that anybody can play. Yep. you don't have to have a lot of money. Yep. All you need is a pair of running shoes and somebody that has a ball that bounces and, and sort of net. And being played in every school gym. God. Let's not forget who discovered basketball. Canadians. James, what is it, James Naismith? It is Canada's game. We're just reclaiming it back.
0: <laughs> Valid but- point.
3: But what I find is, is that everybody's embraced this. You know, all around the GTA, there's different Jurassic Parks and, you know, in Mississauga yep. and Brampton, Richmond Hill, Kingston, uh, even all around, the, uh, all around the province and all around the country. And people can get excited. You know, basketball is a fast-paced, exciting game. Fortress can change. You can be up 10, 10 points and then suddenly be behind 10 points. And and the caliber of play here is phenomenal. You know, I said to my husband, I can't believe we won game one. Yeah, And he says, we have a good team. Yeah. But I think as Torontonians, <laughs> we are so used to, oh, we lost. Yeah, but we're Toronto. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. At least so- we made it. At least we got there. But I did hear, I've been listening to the sports stations, which I don't normally listen to all the time, but apparently there was a press release out that said Kevin Durant of the Clippers would be in, if not for Game 3, but for Game 4.
0: Look at you go.
3: I used to be a sports reporter, Scott. Did you really? uh, Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, if you ever read my column when I went to York University, jock talk, you would know. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) that's when we... Oh, why would you
0: tell me this when we've only got a couple of minutes left in the segment? I'm coming back to this one day. But, it's but gonna... Here's
3: my juicy news. Kevin Durant, they feel, will come back in game four. However, I was listening to one of the, the TSN reporters, uh, no, the ESPN reporters, and she was saying that she talked to a professional football player and a professional basketball player, both of whom have had calf injuries. And the issue is, you don't know how bad it is until you re injure it, mm. where the muscle can go right. and yep. come away from the bone, which yep. sounds, I hope everybody's yep. having lunch. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, Kevin Durant, if if you know, they go down for heaven heaven's sakes you know, two games to nothing, you mm-hmm. know, Kevin Durant is gonna the the team will be looking to to help hopefully speed up his recovery. The problem is if he re injures it, he could be out of season.
0: Courtside, it's Alyssa Freeman. Um, How important is it for the team to cash in on this? This reminds me of when the Blue Jays won the World Series in 92 and 93. Uh, This is when you make fans for life, isn't it?
3: Well, I think so, and I think that, you know, there's a 1,000 accredited media here, some sports media, maybe some lifestyle media, but there's 1,000 of them here. And you see, like, when ABC News, when ABC Sports, before the game, yeah. they're standing in front of Jurassic Park. It's and cool. See, there's 34 million people in this country, 7 million are here in, in Toronto, and look at the diversity, look yeah. what's going on in yeah. the city, and it's almost like, guess what? look up, look out your window and see what's going on here in Canada. And I think that we will get, you know, pun intended, an absolute bounce from tourism here because this city is being showcased like no other.
0: Absolutely correct. And, uh, of course, uh, Game 2 coming up uh, June 2nd. And Hamilton now on board with their own Jurassic Park as well. Good to see. All right, Alyssa, have yourself a great weekend. Much appreciated and stay safe. And you too, Scott. Thank you for having me. Alyssa Freeman, public relations consultant. Alyssa PR. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.